You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good? Mike, 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 Mike. Been beautiful this weekend here in Chicago, man. It's, I'm loving the weather right now. Yeah, I've been I've been getting it in with the yard work with this nice weather. I know you're excited for WrestleMania tonight too, right? You like that? You yeah. like that wrestling? Yeah, I'm got I got one eye on the TV and one eye on our uh, you know podcast here, but I'm I'm all in here. So real quick story: I took my dog to the dog park yesterday, and Mike, let me tell about the women that are at this dog park. Yo, swimming with women at the dog park. So my dog, being the wing dog that he is, was going and sitting next to every girl. And he would sit there and then he'd look at me and just be like, yo, come. Like, he was pretty much wing dogging and I would go over and, but, and talking to these girls. But I, I really needed to work on my, on my pickup line, you know, because... I'd walk over and be like, you know, hey, you know, this is my dog. You know, I'm sorry he's sitting on your legs. Have you listened to Sweep the Rack Bowling podcast? And it didn't seem to work too well. So we have to work on that a little bit. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Well, we're going to take some calls later. So maybe some of our callers can uh, call in and help you out with that. But, uh, Rob, we're going in a little bit of a different direction tonight. We're, uh, you know, we've had some Hall of Fame players on over the last few weeks and uh, great interviews with, with people that bowl in the PBA. But tonight we're going in a little bit of a different direction. And uh, we don't have a bowler on, but we have somebody who definitely is uh, an integral part of the PBA, and that is uh, Mr. Charlie Mitchell, the uh, co-owner of Bayside Bowl. Mr. Mitchell, how are you tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. Definitely not a bowler. I like that. <laughs> yeah, no question. I try. But definitely. I try. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you, I've seen you bowl, actually. You have, you have some skill. There are a lot of you guys up there have some skill. You got <laughs> up there. I've seen quite a few of your, uh, your, your better league bowlers up there. So uh, I, don't, I hope people don't underestimate. Eh, no, I'm just, I'm just screwing around. I mean, we started bowling with house balls about 10 or 12 years ago. So <laughs> I wouldn't say we're that talented, but, but well, well, we've got, we got some players up here now. Well, does Charlie know the interview that he's following, Mike? Have you told him? No. Charlie, do you know who we interviewed on our last podcast, who, who you're following? It's big shoes to fill. I don't know your last one. Walter oh, Ray wait. Williams. KGB Glass? No, Walter Ray Williams no, Jr. You, yeah. <laughs> Walter Ray Williams, huh? Yeah, that was our he was last my, uh He was my anchor in the uh, charity program last year. We lost in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that pro am. That's an awesome event. That's that's an amazing <laughs> event. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a few. But uh, Mitch, uh, Charlie, the the PBA just arrived yesterday up there. PBA playoffs start tomorrow. Tell us what the vibe is like up there right now. Oh, the energy's great. Honestly, we had uh, probably about 150 people over on the other side bowling the second shift of the uh, charity pro am. We had a, a, a kids pro am this morning. Um, you know, everything's all set up. We're actually bringing the event back to the east side, which is our original side, which was, on, you know, the first couple of years. It's our league side, so I thought it was a really good fit for this event since they're, I mean, this is a much more competitive event than the than the league stuff they do. This is, these guys are, they're playing for real money and they're playing singles. 
and you know 200 people on this side i mean the, the ceilings are lower that just the echoes are great and so everything's pretty set up it's actually really mellow we've kind of gotten good at this so we're, you know we're ready to go yeah it's about to get cracking tomorrow though so uh yeah. let's talk for a second about the pro-ams that you guys run up there i've actually come up there the last two years and uh just to check it out and, and kind of uh, enjoy the local flavor a little bit, I guess you could say. But uh, you guys run a couple different programs. The one that was going on tonight is a benefit, is it not? Yeah, it is a benefit uh, for full plates, full potential, uh, working on childhood hunger in Maine and uh, get a lot of local bars and restaurants. They each raise at least a thousand bucks. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I think tonight we're looking at around a $20,000 raise um, and it's going to a really great cause and, you know, a lot of a lot of good energy though. There's still a little bit of competition over there, and you know, the, we uh, each you know it's teams of five match up with a bowler and they just get out there with a good DJ going and, and see what they can do. But I mean, primarily it's about a party. Yeah, definitely. And then <clears throat> last year, and I don't know if you guys are running that right now with the uh, PBA playoffs, or if perhaps it's going to be when they come back up during the summer. But last year there was also a pretty raucous pro am with. Uh, with all of the league teams that you have up there. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit about that? We're saving that for July. Uh, that's the uh, kind of put your cameras and phones away and just have a really good time and let the players cut loose. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, I take my league, the, the bull Portland league, and we, we have random draws four players with a pro. It's a, a competitive Baker tournament. I mean, competitive, but you know, there's shots going, there's drinks going, there's other things happening. I mean, it's a, it's a really fantastic night and there's nothing like it i mean the the first pro-am that we did when, when the pros were here and everybody had no idea what they were doing here when they first showed up and the first night where we did the pro-am together and that's when bull portland met the pba and it just kind of changed everything i mean it's, it's such a great moment and great night and the players look forward to that and i mean we look forward to it all year it's just one of our better parties of the year yeah, it's amazing. I I went to that event, like I said, the last two years, and it is uh, it's definitely a special event. I'm just yeah. gonna say that there may or may not have been a couple PBA players that were carried out of Bayside Bowl <laughs> over the last couple of years after that uh that program. I'm not looking to rat anybody out or name any names. That's not my style, but it's hey, it's things definitely happen. a part. Yeah, it's definitely a party. It's a it's a great time. It really is. I, I had a I, I didn't even bowl. I was just hanging out the last couple of years, and I I had an excellent time myself. As a matter of fact, um, uh, last so, year was uh, Ronnie Russell won that thing in flip flops. It was a uh, an unbelievable <laughs> finish. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned before that Bayside started out as a smaller center, and then in 2017, you guys opened up an additional side of the center with a mezzanine overlooking the lane, the rooftop bar. There's a taco truck on the roof. Uh, give give us a little bit of the history of how the center came to be what it is today. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I I moved. I'm from Maine, but I left for I left a bunch of times. And you know, when I did finally move back for good, I was just terrified of the winters up here. They're long and they're dark, and people tend to hole up. And uh, I had been an ultimate frisbee player, and you know, in the summer you don't think anything about hanging out playing some sports and then going out and drinking on a Tuesday or a Thursday and everything. You know, I just wanted to bring that to the winter, honestly. And so I got some friends together. None of us were bowlers. We were birthday bowlers, you know, and then we, uh, we just decided to start a bowling league on Tuesday night. So we would have kind of an excuse. We got a bunch of bar sponsors and uh, it was really fun. You know, so the next year we all got our first like white dot balls or whatever. And then 
we had 22 teams and at that point realized I had something going and uh, started working on plans to build a center in town. I mean, this was kind of a traditional center we played at that was on the edge of town. The league bowlers out there really didn't like us. There's too much energy. We had our own DJ, but it was all kind of frowned upon. And, uh, you know, you're driving back into town from out there. It's not really a smart move. So I just, I knew we, we could build a center for this league. And then the next year we we're under construction and I had 26 teams going at that house. And so we just had the community already built. We had the culture. So I found a place in town and a, an, an investor and just found an old warehouse, built it into a bowling alley, you know, for, for my league really. And then, uh, you know, that was, that was awesome. I mean, that, that went really well for, I guess, seven years or six years. And then we just were running into an issue. I mean, on Fridays and Saturdays and actually most nights you just have these super long wait lists and we're, just starting to turn too many customers away and we're also dead in the summer like any other bowling alley so with this expansion we uh, were able to accommodate all that business we were turning away and then the roof deck is just taking on a life of its own it's i mean those aren't necessarily bowlers up there but that thing is full every day of the summer so now we're really a real you know 12 month a year business we've got 19 weddings up there this summer and you know then we still get to take all that and subsidize the fun league stuff. So it's all working out pretty well. Rob, you ever hear of a bowling center that hosts weddings? No, no. He took a warehouse and he, he made it into a bowling center for his league. That's unbelievable. That's, oh man. I, but, <laughs> you oh, know, amazing. if anyone ever wonders like why it works, I mean, that's, I mean, we just had a community and a culture first, you know, and then like, so that party just spreads and then, that you know now i mean certain we've got tons of people who come here who don't know my league now but they just feel the energy and the crowd and you know i also have i mean a lot of my staff have been here for nine years and you know it's just it's a family and you can feel it when you come in here mike i know where i'm marrying my future wife now we're going to the <laughs> bowl let me tell you it, it's it's nice enough to have weddings there i can attest <clears throat> it really is it's a it's a beautiful bowling center i mean it's it's easily one of the nicest bowling centers that I've ever been in, uh, and I've I've been in my fair share. So, uh, yeah, kudos to you guys for for doing what you've done and and building it up up there and and really uh, expanding it and making big moves. Uh, how, how did you guys de- end up developing a relationship with the PBA, Charlie? How did that come about? Um, well, several. I guess when we first started, this is year five, actually, amazingly enough, but. Uh, the first year, the PBA still had a contract with a sports marketing company based out of Portland. And so Tom Clark was in town having a meeting with his former sports marketing agency. And they came down here, and I met him, and we just started talking. And he saw some league, and we just started talking about the idea of having the PBA here. And like it's like the energy that you see on any one of our league nights, the party, the drinking, the DJs, the just like the good times. And he saw that, and we just decided it'd be a great idea to try. And honestly, I mean, PBA league was not exactly a a high profile <laughs> asset of theirs. I mean, I think PBA league was probably on its deathbed and then they, so it was something they could take a gamble with and then brought it here. And now it's reborn and now it's become one of the signature pieces of the tour. I mean, the players want to get drafted now. <laughs> I mean, it used to be hard enough to leave and get them to come, but now that it's here, I mean, I mean, you know, you just see these guys just really excited to be drafted. They want to be a part of it. And I'm watching all the new guys come in this year that haven't been here. And it's just, it's so fun to just see their eyes looking around and 
to know that, you know, they're just, they're, they can't wait to just be a part of it, feel the energy. Yeah, for sure. Where, where do you see the future of your relationship with the PBA going? Do you think this is long-term? Oh yeah. I mean, if you look at the build out, I mean, on the, the new side we built, I mean, it's almost designed as a, as a stadium setup, you know, with the mezzanine looking down on the lanes. I mean, a lot of that was built thinking about the PBA going forward. I mean, we're able to hang a 20 foot jumbotron in that room and make a real stadium feel. Um, as I said, we're bringing it back to the old side for this league event, but we'll be back on the, the stadium side for the league and for the, you know, the final four. I mean, I love the relationship with the PBA and I don't, I mean, I don't think there's, any way that the league ever goes anywhere else. The playoffs, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I mean, the playoffs could be the kind of thing that moves from house to house, or maybe it lives here. I mean, we'll, I could really see that going either way, but this is definitely the, the permanent home of the PBA league. Yeah, that's great to hear. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, that would be awesome for the PBA if they can continue to uh, come up there and make that a long-term relationship. In, in the last couple of years, Charlie, when I've been up there, I've, one thing I've noticed is, um, how well you guys promote the PBA being in your area and some of the sponsors that you guys have been able to get on board, like L.L. Bean was one of the main sponsors one year. Shipyard Brewing was a major sponsor another year. Uh, how have you had that kind of success? And, and can, can the PBA replicate that success outside of Portland? I mean, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I mean, when the PBA comes to town, I mean, you, you should be able to, to sell that if you're a center that, is able to do some marketing. I mean, we have, we've, we've been in, incredibly fortunate to get great sponsors, but I mean, those, most of those folks have some connection to Bayside Bowl. They bowl here in a league or they just come here. They've been here for dinner. I mean, it's it just, there's always like a, a first connection that we've made. I mean, this year we're in, like have an incredible beer sponsor. Maine has quite a beer reputation and, you know, we did have shipyard, which was wonderful, but now we have Maine beer company, which is, my, you know, in my opinion, the brewery in the entire state is just saying something for me. And they've come in big for this tournament and poor properties back in. And they're actually developing a big building right next door to Bayside Bowl. So it's it's not just the league. I mean, these are people who are here all the time and really want to invest in Bayside. They, I mean, they, they're a part of it. But, I mean, I think if you, you've got a professional tour coming to your town, that should, shouldn't be that hard of a sell. I think uh... – Rob, I think Charlie Mitchell for president of marketing for the PBA. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's incredible what he's done uh, for the success and of of his, uh, you know, Bone Center with the PBA and being uh, Portland, Maine's not a really a big uh, a big city, is it? I, I mean, I've never been there, but I'm assuming it's a pretty small a small city in Maine. Yeah, I mean, it's a small. I mean, small city. It's the biggest city we have, and and you know, so I mean, it it's got, it has a lot of things that you wouldn't expect in a smaller city. But yeah, it's it's tiny compared to you know any other place these guys are, you know, would host them. I mean, well, maybe not for the PBA tour, but you know, it's, it's definitely a small city. But it's yeah. uh, it's a great place. This year, what's nice is they're going to get the chance to be up here in July. You know, for three months a year, Maine's about the nicest place on the planet, and they get to be here during that, which is really something usually they're up here you know right now it's fine it's april you know maybe it'll be 50 degrees but they're coming in july with you know 18 hours of daylight and 80 degree temps in the ocean and it's just really spectacular so yeah uh charlie we think we're coming up in july so uh do we have oh, do we have the, 
Do we have the in to maybe do a live show from Bayside? Can we get the hookup with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Okay. Oh, All right. Excellent. Yeah. Rob, we're in. Oh, I'm excited. I'm I'm going to be doing the podcast with – I might be double fisting while doing the podcast. I, I After about a half hour, you might have to find a substitute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Two substitutes. Well, particularly sure. with, with main beer company beers, you know, you won't you won't go wrong. I want to more than two hands. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna I be have, like a Bob Uecker in Major sure. League. Yep. Mike, I'll be like Bob Uecker in Major League when they were losing. I'll be have a bottle of Jack Daniels. Just <laughs> take over, Monty. I'm in the bag. I'm just gonna like pass out. On the <laughs> true. True. Uh, Charlie, everybody at Bayside has a nickname. How did that tradition come about? Um. Well, I, I actually was. I was uh, managing my softball team and when I lived in Washington, D.C., uh, I was just, I started doing write-ups for every every game. We were the first fucking amendments. We went 1-20, and 20, and uh, I was Carl Hungus, and I just, I don't know, I get, everybody got a nickname, and so when I started bowling, I just, everybody needs one, and, we, you know, I did write-ups. I used to do, we have a webpage, and I would do write-ups of each game, and, I, you know, people, that really helps build the the sense that you're part of something you're reading about the games you're reading about the characters and uh i don't know i've been carl hungus ever since and I mean, most, of these, most of these folks we just know each other by our bowling names that's awesome that's amazing and your nickname is carl hungus can we ask what the meaning of that nickname is i mean it's honestly charlie it's easy to make some assumptions about what that might mean you know so you might <laughs> want to put it out there for yourself well is just there to fix the cable. He's got a, a brief cameo in Big Lebowski. He is uh, the star of Log Jamming. There's that little when they're when he's watching the porn movie in Big Lebowski. Carl Hungus oh. walks in to fix the cable. That's it. That's Carl Hungus. Wow, you're slipping, you're slipping a you're slipping a, a pop culture reference in there on us that most people wouldn't recognize. Kind of kind of <laughs> like the name of our podcast, right, Rob? Right. <laughs> um. I wish every proprietor was involved the way you're involved in your center, Charlie. I mean, just it, I've been to a lot of bowling centers in my day where you, you rarely ever see the proprietor, the owner of the center once every six months, once every year. And they don't really care about the bowlers. All they really care about is, is the money and raising prices on their games. So kudos to you, man, being involved with your center. Absolutely rich. Every proprietor around the uh, the country would get involved the way you get involved in your business. And I feel like bowling would be in a lot better shape than it is today. No, I mean, it's a pretty special place for me. I mean, when I, uh, I actually, <laughs> I moved in here while the building was under construction. I was going through a divorce, moved into Bayside upstairs during the construction process. And so, I mean, it's more than just a bowling alley to me. This was my home at first, you know, and I, I always thought of coming downstairs into the bowling alley as walking into a party at my house. And so, you know, I just <laughs> wanted it to be a nice party in my house. And like that helps create the vibe of what I was looking for and what I wanted. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's, it's more than a bowling alley and it's more than a business to me. So, I mean, that's just, you know, a unique situation. That's amazing, man. It's a, that's, that's a really great story. Uh, what other things do you guys do? Uh, Charlie, that aren't like seen in a traditional bowling alley. I know you mentioned weddings before, but I, I follow your guys on uh, social media. You also do like burlesque shows and concerts, so you you guys are pulling out all the stops. 
Yeah, I mean, we've always had a, a stage, you know, I mean, uh, the burlesque, we've, you know, done about nine or ten of those. That's become a monthly thing. In the last few in the last few months, we've really started to do bigger acts. We re- redid our stage and lights and soundboard, and we had Black Alicious. We had the samples. We've got Talib Kweli coming out in a couple months. That hasn't even been announced yet, so you're you're getting a scoop there. Um, Break the yeah, news, I mean, I Rob. We, we just we, love we try to do try to do what we can. We show movies up on the roof every Wednesday night, which is pretty great. I mean, that's always a full house. You get to hang out, have a cocktail, watch sunset, and then you get a movie. I mean, just there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff to do. God, Bowling proprietor, are you listening? I are know. Listening? Take notes. Take are notes, you taking please. notes? Are you listening? Seriously. But uh, Charlie, listen, we appreciate the time, man. We know you're busy with uh, you know the show starting tomorrow night and things. So good luck with everything. We appreciate you uh, coming on and chopping it up with us a little bit, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up there in July. Right on. Absolutely, we'll see you in July. Thanks. All right, man. Good luck this week. Enjoy. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. So, Rob, we're going to go right in from the interview with Charlie. We actually have lined up uh, one of the more popular league bowlers at Bayside Bowl. Uh, his name is Brian Owak. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, he also goes by KBG Glass. So we're going to bring him on and, and have a little bit more of a discussion and get some details uh, on the actual uh, Bayside Bowl League, the main league that they have there. Briar, are you there? Can you hear us? Hey, hey, what's going on? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, PBA just kind of rolled into town here, so right in the high of uh, you know the faces and just the surrealness of, like, talking to heroes and having it be normal. You know, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, you're it. you're a huge you're a huge bowling fan, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, give our listeners some background on why we decided to bring you on here tonight. So uh, I went up to Bayside the last two years to watch the team event and uh, watch Bill Bowl and kind of take in the local flavor, like I said. And uh, I actually uh, struck up a conversation with Brian and ended up back in his glass blowing shop, which is right across the street uh, from Bayside. You want to tell us about the donut walk, Brian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a new addition. Had no, nothing to do with me. Uh, some friends of mine do the landscaping that are on my bowling team, and uh, we all—I I never cut through. I always walk around because I don't want to like, screw up the mulch and shit. So they put in a little walkway for me, and, and my last name is Owak. So they put a donut sticker where the O would be, so it's like O W A L K. So it's like the Owak, the Donut Walk kind of like a play on words and because I'm the donut guy, you know, we threw in the donut sticker. So they, they actually did it all. And, uh, I just kind of, I get to use it. I, everyone gets to use it, but yeah. So. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned your affinity for donuts. You're actually, uh, one of the, one of the more well-known glass blowers in the world. Is that fair to say? Um, I mean, I'm the in. I feel like in the pipe world, you know. I think you you might know who I am, you know, just through through the donuts and whatnot. But it's tough to say on like the grand scale of things. But I, you know, some people know who I am. You know, it's pretty sweet. But uh, yep. And and really, you uh, you're most known for making uh, making bongs and pipes that have a donut theme. Yeah, that's that's been my signature piece since about 2012. 
Um, I, before that, um, the quick the quick story is uh, I was a baker at Dunkin' Donuts um, when I was around 18, 19, and uh, going to a lot of fish concerts and whatnot. Met some kids at some fish shows that blew glass and made pipes and then became friends with them. And um, one thing leads to another. They teach me how to blow glass and um, flash forward to now and full-time glass blower for the past, you know, can't even remember how many years and uh life's been pretty good that's awesome man that's a that's a great story and uh good good luck as you continue your career with that and uh i'm sure that you probably just picked up some more followers uh in the bowling community just by that short <laughs> conversation there but uh the real reason that we brought you on tonight is because you are a long time and very popular league bowler at bayside yes uh the word popular, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess people, like again, I guess people know who I am. Popular, I don't know. I've never described myself as popular, but I've been in there for a long time. You know, I think I've been there okay. since the second year. So yeah, I feel like I'm a staple. I think you could say a staple of Paul Portland. <laughs> and your your nickname is Jamaican Jerk. Yep, yep. Uh, I'm a Jamaican Jerk. Um, my team is Bingas. And uh, back in the day, all the teams would be sponsored by a local restaurant or bar. Bowling, we would go to a different whoever, like, the host was that night. So it was great in the sense of you're, you're supporting local businesses as well as bowling. So um, my team is all named after uh, Hot Wing Sauces. So the day I showed up, he was like, you could either be Jamaican Jerk or Spicy Redneck. Because those are those are actual sauces they sell, and then like, I'll go with the Jamaican jerk, and uh, okay. from then on it was just history. All right, excellent. So, tell us about the Bowl Portland League. G- give our listeners because I, I know a little bit about it. You and I have talked about it uh, when, when when we had a chance to talk, but we want to give our listeners a, a clear idea of how the league works. So, give us a breakdown. How does the league work? What is it about? Describe the atmosphere for us on a on an average league night, and uh, give us a breakdown on that. Um, well, the, the process to all of it is, uh, I think you know, eighty eighty ninety percent of the league um, is non you know previous to joining Bowl Portland were non bowlers. You know, it's people that like wanted something to do, and that makes it an interesting base for it. But um, and I'm one of the few people that grew up bowling. I've bowled like my whole life, but I stopped when I moved to Maine because there really wasn't much of a bowling scene here. So from like 18 or 19, I stopped bowling until I joined Ball Portland um, when I was probably like uh, 28, 29. So that's just like the basis for that. Or like my view is like I did Yabba my whole life. Brother-in-law owned a bowling alley uh, growing up. So I used to, I actually used to be pretty good. Unfortunately, I peaked when I was like 16. But uh, uh, anyways, so Bull Portland, um, definitely the best league uh, I've ever been a part of. Um, It's pretty amazing. The scoring, I guess we'll start with the scoring. It's just there's no handicaps, so it's all scratch. And you have people who average 110 bowling um, on the same team with people averaging 212, you know, 190. So it's super diverse uh, in abilities, but it's, 
each given game uh, is like your bottom score versus their bottom score, your top score versus their top score. So it's not, uh, you know, my top bowler score versus their top bowler score like in average, but that actual game. So it can fluctuate who's playing against who. It's just like the scores, you know, the final score is what really determines the points. So, so, so is it, is it unique? Is it okay? Yeah. Well, <laughs> very new. As this is like, when you told me this the first time I was like blown away by this, I'm like, no, the bowling world needs to hear this. So it's a scratch league, but yeah. the, the, the slots of the league, the player positions, in other words, one, two, three, four are, are right. relatively matched up by ability level. Um, well, it's, it's each, each game, you know, there's four bowlers per game, um, six people per team, and we usually do um, each bowler bowls two games. So it's, it's broken down evenly. But, yeah, like this, any, you know, say my, my four bowlers, say they all average like 170. You know what I mean? And we're bowling as a team where everyone averages 212. Um, everyone's still bowling. You're just bowling against that team. But, like, say my low guy, the low person on our team bowls a 120, and the low person on their team bowls, like, a 150. You know, like, even if their best bowler bowled that 150, which was their team low, the two lows are going against those. You know okay. what I mean? Does that make sense? Understood. Little, I think I'm, I, I might be saying a little bit confusing with too many words, but... It's uh, no, it's, it's just you know the top top versus top second top versus second top and so on, and so there's uh, five points per game total, so it's the right. four and then overall. Okay, excellent. Wow, I think again, I hope the bowling world is listening. I hope I hope people are taking notes on uh, on how these guys. Do things. Yeah. yeah, it is, and it's, it's always fair and it's always close, and there's no real you know even stacked teams. Someone has an off night. Someone on the other team doesn't, you know? And I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it's amazingly fair, you know? And it's everyone who does have, like, a blast. So, and that's, like, another part of it. Everyone is. It's competitive. You know, everyone wants to win. There's no money prize. There's never been any cash involved with it. Um, you win your name on a trophy that you can't even really – you can take it with you for half a year, and then you bring it back, and then, you know, the next team gets it that next year. But um, and a pendant hanging on the wall, so you got like your your banner on the wall, which is which is a big deal, you know, like bragging rights, you know, respect from people that means more than like the check, you know. So um, that's another thing. You would think there was thousands of dollars on the line by like the the desire to win, you know what I mean? But um, at the same time, it still is very fun based, you know. And that's the beauty of the league is the mix of fun, DJ playing really good music, pretty loud, everyone dancing around you, but you're going for this point because you want to have like a high seed in playoffs. You know what I mean? Like it's still, it's just an amazing combination of like fun competition and skill. You know, like last night or Friday night, we had someone shoot like a 298 and it's just like, Parties raging, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just that vibe, and the whole place just erupts with every strike, and it's, it's, it's just, it's pretty amazing. It's just unlike anything else. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, just being at the pro am. You know, you get a sense of the league and uh, and how you guys do things and the fun that you have out there. And it it really is something to see. I mean, most most league bowlers that uh, that I know uh, are kind of miserable when they bowl league, and mm-hmm. they bowl league even though they really don't enjoy it all that much. And there's a lot of stacked teams and guys that go in and just try and bowl in a league because it's a handicap league and they uh you know they they want to make money or or win the top prize in that league what i find most amazing about the whole thing is that you guys don't bowl for any prize money that's just amazing yeah yeah and i mean you know i kind of missed out growing up i was you know i was pretty good i was always averaging over 200 from you know my middle school years and all that i was always scratched by the time I was old enough to bowl for money, I stopped bowling. You know what I mean? So, like, I ne- I've really never bowled for money. It's always just been for the love of bowling. Um, I don't even know what it would be like bowling for money, to tell you the truth. It would almost be weird. But, um, you know, same like I was saying before, the, the, the value of winning in, like, the partying, it's like you're almost winning a party, not just the bowling league. You know what I mean? And, to think about it almost like that, that's still bowling, I don't know. Maybe it puts me in a little different perspective of what you're actually winning. You know what I mean? It's not just, oh, I won. It's like, you won. Like, holy shit. Like, the whole season, this is what we were going for, and, like, you did it, you know? And I don't know. It's all love for that winner because everyone knows it wasn't easy. You know, each year the shit gets harder and harder. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bri, you're also, you know, our listeners may recognize you, even though they don't know that they would recognize you, because you're uh, you're one of the, the most noticeable people in the crowd anytime the PBA is at Bayside. And you and your crew were actually in the crowd at the Masters on uh, on Monday, and you guys were, unno- <laughs> you know, hard to not notice it at that tournament as well. So our listeners may recognize you, even if they uh, they don't think they recognize you. You can go back, rewatch that Masters show, and all those guys in the, in the crazy seeking coats, uh, yeah, that's that's Brian yeah. and his crew right there. That's the Bayside crew right there. Yeah, and you know we were in, there was such a, a interesting response on the internet to that, and um, didn't really didn't even think of a response really. I didn't think there would be any response, and so I was surprised that there was any chatter. But I mean. They were calling us pimps and hoes and whatnot, and I don't know. It seems pretty short-sighted, you know. I mean, like that's all you got. Like we're in Vegas, you know. We were in Idaho, so I don't know. I think we we dressed appropriately for the venue, you know. Um, but yeah, we were out bowling nationals, and then and then we bowl, and then we were like, let's watch bowling. Go out for you know three four days, bowl two of them, and then watch bowling. It's kind of the dream, you know. So. Um, yeah, it was a blast, actually. I yeah, and, had and, so well, much, like I, mean, I had a shitty and grin because I was just so freaking happy. Like I love bowling, you know, and to like be out there watching these things, like like childhood me is just in awe, you know. Like I just I never thought that I'd be part of something like this. So it's just it's I love it. I personally, I'm just like this is just like fucking bees knees over here. Yeah, and and you know. The bowling community, the high levels anyway, we like to take ourselves ultra seriously all the time. So, you know, <laughs> uh, there's yeah, definitely I, always going to be that other side of it too. Right. And, and I respect that. You know, everyone does is, is you know, is open to their opinion. Is You know, that's a valued 
there is no real right answer, but everyone's going to enjoy it. So, like, if you want to go and sit, go and sit. If you want to stay home and sit, stay home and sit. But, like, can't fault people for being happy about it. True. Absolutely. So, Brian, we're going to get you out of here, man. But uh, before we let you go and get back to uh, watching bowling and blowing bongs, uh, I know you probably got I, – I wouldn't be surprised if you got some of the PBA guys hanging out in the shop right now while we're on the phone. I'm not going to put anybody out there like that, but not, I'm sure you're a busy man names, this week. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm sure – I'm sure you're the social butterfly this week and hosting your own uh, uh, tournament of sorts over at your place. But, uh, you know, who, who, do you, who do you like this week? Um, who do I – well, I don't know if Hungus told you about uh, – there's kind of like a pool that we got going on through the league. So Hungus assigned a different pro to two teams. So every two teams has a pro. And if they win, then you get like – free tickets to the finals and like a bar tab. So it's amazing that he's doing that. So my horse for our team is EJ Tackett, AKA squirrel. So um, ultimately I'm pulling for him the most because I have stuff on it, but um, um, I think Simo looks good. Um, Norm is like my team spirit animal. So um, I feel like he's always got a shot and uh, yeah, I don't know. My, that that's those are those are my picks. Those are my. Well, you got a pick, but you got a good uh, you got a good horse to ride there in EJ Tackett. That's for sure. You got a good horse to ride yeah. there. And, uh, you you know you know who our pick is on the Sweep the Rack Bowling Podcast. We're pulling for Real our boy Bill Yo team. You know that and fucking no you know, doubt, man. I'm just putting it out there. You know. If our boy, uh, if our boy finds a way to make the final four, you know, we might have to turn Portland into Philly North, if you know what I'm saying. You better, you better, you'll be welcomed with open arms, man. No and doubt. On right. a side note, on a side note for uh, this week, for tomorrow bowling, um, all of us uh, pimps decided to clean it up a little bit, so we're going to make it a little more, uh, a little more bowling appropriate for the more conservative people out there. Man, we got all kinds of breaking news going on tonight, Rob. We're breaking news <laughs> all over the place. So oh, it'll, 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 you know, be it'll be worth watching. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to see the shows this week. But uh, Brian, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. And thank uh, you. Enjoy, Great show. Yeah, enjoy your time up there, man. Enjoy having the PBA right in your backyard. Hell's yeah, man. All, all right, right, man. Take you. it easy. All right, so Rob, uh, we we have one more guest lined up for the people tonight. Yes. Yeah, after that last interview, I'm ready to move to Portland, Maine and join like five bowling leagues and never have any money and have an amazing time for the rest of my life. It's a great city, I got to say, after being up there twice. I mean, Philadelphia will always be my favorite city in the world, but uh, Portland's definitely a, a special place. And Rob, I, I hope the bowling community was listening, you know. I mean, it's I know. Pretty, pretty amazing and pretty special what they have going on up there. Yeah, hopefully the proprietors are taking notes, man. These guys are doing it right. They're doing great things for the sport, and they're doing great things for the community, the city, the people in the area. So hopefully they're taking notes, man. We could see some more Portland, Maine's pop up. But, man, I think that's a one-of-a-kind type bowling center. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Rob, the next thing we want to get into here, we have another guest that we're going to bring on tonight. Uh, we want to get in a little bit to this uh, Bolero event that is going to take place this week. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy going going on this week uh, with with Je- uh, our guest Jeff Rickles. Jeff, welcome. Hey, great 
to make my debut with Sweep the Rack. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we're glad to have you. Yeah, we're honored, Jeff, you know. Can I can I just say something first about Portland? Sure. Go I'm, right a, I'm a cheesehead. The greatest bowling fans, the great or not not the greatest bowling fans, I don't want to say that. The wildest bowling crowd back in my day when I was on tour, hands down, was Milwaukee. You talk to any of the old timers, these guys, I mean, Milwaukee at Red Carpet Celebrity, there were 1,000 to 1,500, depending what capacity was, at 9 a.m. when qualifying started on a Wednesday, and about 75% of them were already drunk, guaranteed. Because that's Wisconsin. And it was the craziest thing ever to bowl in. And I was there first as a reporter for several years, and then I bowled on tour there. And I have a T-shirt that says something along the lines of Bayside Bowl, just like Milwaukee and the best thing since Milwaukee in the 80s or something like that. I have it at home because I went to Portland in 2016, the second year of the PBA League. And I don't care what anyone tells you about how great it is. It's better than that. I mean, you – you have to be there to experience it to really understand how crazy it was. And we had lots of Facebook chatter, and I won't waste my time with you guys going through how stupid all the people were that think that wasn't good on the Masters show last week or think Portland isn't right or didn't understand it or don't get it. Every proprietor in this country should go to Portland, Maine, and spend a couple of days there and ex- and see what Charlie has in Portland and take it back to their center and learn from that guy. The classic what's wrong with bowling is the Bowling Proprietors Association, Association of America. Charlie was tried to get on the BPA board last year. I wrote a letter of recommendation to him. Maybe that's what sunk him. But <laughs> he, he, they, they should beg him to come onto their board and teach them what he has there. He has, it's a, maybe it can't be replicated anywhere else, but he has everything that's wrong with league bowling is solved there. They don't play for prize money, and they have the greatest time ever. They go to the PBA event, they have the greatest time ever. People love bowling like nothing I've ever seen. Oh, don't, Jeff, don't make me get started on the BPAA. That's a whole other podcast yeah. that... And I and I got lots of proprietor friends, and I love them and that. But come on, this guy is, runs the greatest bowling center in the entire country as far as the enthusiasm of his bowlers. And he has a unique business model that solves a lot of the problems that most bowling centers have. And he wanted to be on their board to help them. And what do they do? They don't put him on there. Uh, classic bowling, just classic bowling. Yeah, they're uh, they're doing things the right way up there for sure, and it's uh, that was an interesting interview for us tonight. Um, just to hear some of his perspective about uh, how they created the environment that they did. Um, so yeah, I Rob and I both said while, yeah, Rob and I both said while we were interviewing them that uh, we should yeah you know, we hope that people are listening and taking some notes about you know how to uh, differentiate the revenue flow in, in your bowling center and how to step it up a notch in terms of the, the offerings that you have or, or what you're trying to oh. do other than just league bowling. It's, but uh, very close mind. Food there is fabulous. Beer list is great. The cocktails are great. He charges a premium for them, and the people are happy to pay it because it's worth it. Yeah, it's certainly not your average uh, chicken fingers and fries. You know, that's like, – <laughs> No, it's not. 
Yeah, if you've never been there, I mean, they have an extensive – that was actually something we, – we were running out of time, but we were going to get into that with him. I had it written down as a question, but their menu is, like, extensive. They have an executive chef and a pastry chef on staff there. But I, th- I figured people yep. would get that point when he said that they hosted weddings. They also have uh, some bowling-themed uh, items on their menu. They have, like, pizzas that are named after PBA players and stuff. So, yeah, across the board, the guy is just doing things that, that – uh, that other bowling proprietors have never really brought to the table. So it's kind of disappointing to hear that the bowling community as a whole isn't more open to, uh, to some of those ideas. Yep. But, Jeff, we'll, we'll have you on again uh, another time, and, and we'll get into that as a separate discussion as well. But tonight, because, you know, there was a little controversy a, over an article that you wrote this week. Is it fair to say that? Yeah, and, you know, that's, it was an opinion piece. And I'm trying to drive conversation. I didn't quite imagine that I would drive that conversation to that extent. But, I mean, that was from the heart, and I stand behind it 100%. And just so we understand, if I can do a cliff notes of the timeline of this, I'm the first person that reported about the Bolero Late Series last July, July 31st. And at that time, I reached out to Bolero, and I said, let me tell the story here. What is your vision? Why are you doing this? This is an enormous amount of money. What is your return on investment? You know, this, this is the story. I wanted to tell Bolero's story. And I tried at that time and got no response whatsoever. Finally, that was last July. Then in, I think it was February, they released the rest of the information. Since February, when that came out, I reached out in emails back and forth with Jillian Lawfer, who's the, the PR manager for Bolero, back and forth constantly. I mean, I can't, I've got an email chain, you wouldn't believe. And she kept saying, yeah, we'll make someone available to you, which I think was going to be Kyle Edison. I just said, I just want to tell the story. Why are you guys doing this? You're putting all this money into this. You must have some vision of something for bowling that's going to be great. Let me tell the world what your story is. I wasn't there to, to rip them for anything. Now, what would have happened is that I would have written the story that says, this is Bolero's vision. This is why they're putting this money in here. This is how they think they're going to get a return on investment. And I would have written a great news story. I still would have written the opinion piece that says this thing is awful for the sport of bowling. And I stand by that 100%. It, it is. And but, but I would have given them the forum to say why, where they're trying to go with this, why they're doing it, because there's a news story there. And then there's my opinion piece, which is me saying why I think it's bad. And, uh, and like 90% of the people that commented agreed with me. And then, then we would have had the third story, which would have been who wins, which I know, but I'm not going to reveal it for your listeners. Um, and it's going to be a cool story, I think. And I, if, if they would have been wise enough to let me and Bowler's Journal and any other bowling media be there, I would have, I had a flat out thing said, you let me come down there and watch this. And I won't write one word about it until after the show airs. That's all. And, but let me talk to whoever competes for this kind of money in the moment when it happens. It's not the story to talk to somebody two weeks later, you want the emotion five or 10 or 15 minutes after they've just won $270,000 or lost or, you know, made 80,000, but not won 270 in that moment. And you want to see how it happens. But, you know, we, we know that they were too foolish to, 
let Bowler's Journal and any other bowling media and myself be there. So, Rob, where do you want to go first with this? What do you what you know? What do you so want you to know talk the background? About? You know the background. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we should give. I think honestly, I think we should give the. That's why I asked. I think we should give the listeners a little background because I bowl in a Bolero Center, and I, I I had no idea this was even going on until uh, a guy who I know who runs a pro shop in a bowl, in a Bolero Center uh, texted me and said, "Oh, have you heard about this?" And I said, "No, I didn't hear anything about it." So really poor job on their part, I think, of, uh, of promoting this to begin with. And here's the thing. is like I'm standing there willing a year ago almost, last July, August, to help start promoting this within the bowling community. You know, pat myself on the back. I reach the people that are the opinion makers and the, you know, people, if I write something, it's the people that need to know to start the chatter know it. And my my social media presence is high enough that this would have been spread. I'll guarantee you I wrote a negative opinion piece about this event, and it told more people that this event was going to be on TV next Tuesday than anything else that's happened so far. That's what's really sad. And and this is – I don't bowl in a Bolero Center. I bowled league one year in Milwaukee when it was the old um, red carpet AMF and then AMF centers. At that time, it had already transitioned to AMF. So it was well be- before Bolero, but – so I don't have any personal experience, but I have enough people telling me the incredible stories of how poorly run, frankly, most of their bowling centers are and their company. And I know lots of really good people. They've done fabulous with the Peterson, and I've written positive story after positive story. They've, they've saved that tournament and are building it back up. So I've written plenty of good things about what Bolero's done. But if you want to hear a really – you want to get somebody on to, to tell the story – get the Spigners on and have them and the, some of their customers, old, former customers, and talk about what happened to Hawthorne Lanes, where the PBA Tour used to be for years, was one of the great centers in this country and has had 3,300 league bowlers at their peak, and they're down to about 100. It's a sad story, and that's one of the centers Bolero took over. This is a company that I don't care, as Cauley told me, we're a billion-dollar company. I don't care. You're a billion-dollar company that doesn't run yourself worth crap from everything I've experienced and everything most people have told me about. So get your crap together. And with this event, if you really want to build it into something, you better do a lot better in managing it. Yeah. I just didn't understand how I could bowl in a Bolero center and like really not hear anything about <laughs> it at all. Mike's going to be banned Seriously. from Bolero center soon. <laughs> that, 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 how incredible is that? This is a company that over the next, through the three tournaments they're going to have through um, next December, there's one in New Jersey in September at you guys, and then the one in Florida in December, and that's like a million dollars worth of prize money, and how much does it cost to buy this time on NBC Sports Network twice, and then the final event is on NBC, and maybe they have some TV sponsors, I don't know, because they won't answer the questions, I don't know the answers to those questions. Um, but this is an incredible investment they're making in this. And yet they have done so little to promote it. It's like, I don't, I don't get, why are you, how are you not executing this better? What are you, how are you going to gain any money out of this? You know, it's great that they're going to put money into the pockets of, okay, fine for these league bowlers, but for the best bowlers in the world who should be making money like this, I, you know, great. That's fantastic. But, what what are you guys getting out of this that you haven't 
you know, that people can bowl in your centers and not have a clue of that this is happening, that's, that's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, do either of you guys know, like, what you had to do to qualify? Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote off of what was on their website. You had to create a video and send it in. You had Well, you had to be a Bolero League bowler, obviously. I'm sorry, I, didn't, I should have said that at first. You had to be a Bolero League bowler. I explained all this in, in, my, in my story in February when they finally released all the details. But you had to be a Bolero League bowler, and then you had to create some video that um, obviously was something that caught their eye because then they made a subjective choice, which is their right because they're putting their money up. What I'm interested to see is what are they doing with these videos? I'm assuming that on Tuesday night's show, we're probably going to see the eight players that they chose. We're going to see at least snippets of their videos that is going to tell you that these people are entertaining, um, attractive, or I mean, I don't know. I know I've learned that this, uh, the, the, that Kali, the, the chief customer officer of Bolero who treated me so badly, um, that she was on um, whatever MTV's reality show was real world. She was on there. So, she knows a little bit about, obviously, um, how this sort of thing works. So, obviously, these people made videos, and whatever they did, they caught the eye of, of the Blero people. And so those eight were chosen, and then if you look at the eight players, they have three personable, ex- ex- exciting, attractive women, and they have five of the best and most personable and, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, popular players on the PBA Tour, and obviously they were – they were chosen for that. And it, if you look at it, you can see that a Liz Johnson was not chosen. Greatest woman bowler of all time, perhaps, but older, very stoic when she bowls, very calm. So a Shannon O'Keefe, a Daniel McEwen, um, you know, they get chosen. A Daria Payak get chosen ahead of her because they're a little more excitable, higher social media presence, whatever. It's Bolero's money. They can do what they want, but you can see what they're going for. Oh, Jeff. I. <laughs> marketable let's just call a spade a spade (laughs) i mean i don't (laughs) mike i can't even like say it on air but we all know what they did why they did it right yeah of course oh yeah sure they're they're choosing young attractive women but but not just that they're they're still stars of the pwba tour they're all champions they're not just picking out and I, I can't even name if I don't even know if bowling has an Anna Kornikova or something like that. I, I, I mean, I, nothing jumps to mind, but they're all sure. champions, but they're picking the younger players with the higher social media presence and the, you know, they're, yeah, they're all, they're all three of them are attractive in that. And they, they didn't choose a, a couple of PBA tour stars that arguably have higher resumes than some that they did choose and guaranteed, Kyle Troop only has three titles, but, you know, he was going to be on there. I mean, and more power to him. It's their million bucks to throw around. They should have Kyle on that show. He's the guy that TMZ paid attention to. I mean, let's be real here. They're trying, obviously, somewhere along the lines here, they're trying to get some buzz and some TV stuff, so they want to have those guys on there and gals. Hmm. It's such an interesting topic, though, Mike. I mean, just in the fact that it's we don't, as a bowling community – like I didn't even know this was going on. This is this show was happening in my backyard, Jeff. I'm probably like 20 minute drive, and you know, you know how I found out about it is I saw Deandra Aspady's Instagram story that she was there watching, and I was like, "What is going on right now in Chicago?" I didn't even know it was. Hey, going wait a on. minute, now does that mean you're not reading the blog? Come on. No, 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 no. I didn't know like 
what when it happened like last week like i i mean i'm here and there like i'm i'm on and off like when it comes to social media but i didn't know like that show was going on at that time i didn't know what was happening i'll be honest with you jeff i didn't know yeah, yeah and, I mean, and, and what bigger indictment could there be who puts on and puts this much money into something like this and then can have people that are fairly connected in bowling not have a clue that it's going on and here's another question. You're spending an enormous amount of money on this, and yet you don't spend enough so that you're going to have it a week tape delay. So you have to go through all these histrionics that led to the confrontation between me and them that never needed to happen. Hmm. Okay, it doesn't have to be exactly live, but you could do it like the Olympics does. Maybe they were worried about executing a completely live show on the first day. So, okay, you're going to, you bought the time on NBC Sports Network for Tuesday, April 9th from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time. Well, then you tape the show on Tuesday, April 9th at 3 p.m. So, if any glitches come out, you've got time. And then you put it on like the Olympics does later. So, it's not perfectly live, but it's enough so that I can be there, all us media people, Bowler's Journal and whoever else it was, can be there live. And it's easy to say, I'll shake your hand. I'm not going to post this until the story air or the show airs three hours from now. Piece of cake. I probably, if I do the story really thoroughly and talk to everybody involved, I wouldn't get it done in time. So it wouldn't be a problem anyway. But to have it be a week later, the third show on NBC is on, in Florida in December. That's a live show. So why don't you have the first two shows live? Another question I wanted to ask, but they're not accommodating enough to talk to the world's premier bowling journalist. So sorry. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, the format for this Bolero tournament was that there were going to be eight pros and eight league bowlers in a, in a high roller style bracket. And uh, they were given out $270,000 for first place and 80,000 for second uh, were, were basically the big publicized numbers. And uh, Jeff, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about, why in general you felt like this was a bad event for bowling, you know, regardless of any of the, the uh, things that occurred this past week. Yeah. Well, the biggest, the biggest problem to me, and I set that story free so anybody can go and read it. You don't have to be a subscriber. And it's the main story at the top of 11frame.com if you go there, so you can read all the details. But the bottom line is this, what does the casual viewer, non-bowler, casual bowler think about bowling? Well, they turn on the PBA and the lanes are hard and some pro shoots 189 and wins a title. Well, I can do that. Or I got a guy in my league averaging 240. He's better than these pros. Okay, what kind of event do they create? They create an event where a pro is going to bowl a league bowler for one game. And they're going to bowl on the most ridiculous walled up house shot, 11.5 to 1 ratio that (laughs) – if you miss by five boards, you have basically the same amount of striking as missing by one board, and your release can be completely erratic compared to the top-level PBA pros. So you've negated the skill advantage of a tour-level pro compared to a solid league bowler. I'm not, com- I'm not comparing to – basically, there's guys in this show, and I don't want to give anything away, but there's guys in this show that are probably, you know, I don't know, 230 in league or something like that. So – they're good enough that when you have a five-board area to hit or whatever it is, they're essentially as good as Belmo, 
or any of the other pros that were there, which is sad to say, but we know that's the nature of bowling. We understand that as serious bowlers. We can watch something like that and understand it and enjoy it for what it is and chuckle if a league bowler beats them. We know what the high roller was. Of course, the high roller had really tough lane conditions, as I pointed out, so the hack beating the uh, pro didn't, the, you know, the Kretzers and the Barnes uh, didn't happen as much. But even then, when the lanes are hard, a couple brooks, a solid eight, a ring 10, a blower 7, 10, and, and a much lesser player beats a much better player. It happens in one game, and it's exacerbated by having an 11-to-1 lane pattern. So they've set this up, maybe intentionally, obviously, to give the league bowler the best chance to win. That's fine, except that then the casual viewer that might turn in, tune in and watch NBC Sports Network what are they going to think? It's going to reinforce, and this is what I wrote, it's going to reinforce every negative stereotype they have about the sport of bowling. These guys, the pros aren't any better than these league bowlers. Uh, they don't have any skills, blah, 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 blah. If you seriously look yourself in the mirror as a serious bowler and don't admit that that's a bad thing, then you're lying to yourself or you're dumb. Because it's not good when you show this and have, if it happens, a league bowler beat a top pro just because of the format and that, because the average casual person doesn't have a clue. I pointed out in there that it's the same as if the eight pro golfers, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, whoever you want to say, went with eight really good amateur golfers, and they went on a super easy municipal course and played one hole. Well, hey, those guys aren't going to win very. The amateur golfer is going to win sometimes against those guys, sure. But the difference is, is that they can see the course. They know it's easy. Nobody's going to believe that they're better than those guys. And besides the fact, as I pointed out, the golfers that are really good, they're going to be like, well, first of all, they're so rich that it's going to take a ridiculous amount of money to even get them to consider it. And they're so powerful that the minute you told them this was the format, they would have said, uh, no, we're doing it this way. And whoever was trying to put this on would have said, yes, Mr. Woods, yes, Mr. Nicholson, yes, Mr. Johnson, whatever you want which is not the way bowling is because they don't have the power. They don't have the money. So guys like Belmo and Rash and Kyle, they're like, oh, my God, I can win 270000 What do you need me to do? I'll, uh, I'll kiss your ring. No offense to them, <laughs> but the chance to win that money, that's so significant to them, sadly, that they're going to do anything they can, including playing in a bastardized format that makes the sport look bad. And I'm not criticizing them. I was a tried to be a professional bowler on tour for two years. I would have made the same decision to have a chance at that money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can all understand that aspect of it. But uh, Jeff, listen, we appreciate your time tonight. You you had some outstanding uh, viewpoints on this issue. That's why we brought you on. We wanted to give you a chance to uh, you know tell our listeners uh, about you know this situation and and this tournament with Bolero. I'm sure it's going to come to everybody's attention now. We'll. Uh, We'll be keeping a bit of a closer eye on it as we move forward. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, man. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on again at some point in the near future. Anytime you guys want me on, and I'm going to watch Tuesday night and enjoy it, and I'm going to write about it. And I hope you guys watch Tuesday night and enjoy it and write about it. And Bolero, I know you probably despise me now because I told it like it was and I didn't let you bully me around. But if you want to call and talk to me and Tell me what your vision is here, what you're trying to accomplish. I'll write the story. I'll get every quote right. Feel free. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, listen to all our listeners, 11thframe.com, right, Jeff? 
You got it. 11thframe.com. Check it out. The man, the man talks a big game, but he backs it up. He is the world's premier bowling journalist. There's no question about that. So check that out. You want the best news in bowling? Go check out 11thframe.com. Jeff, thanks again. You got it. Anytime, guys. Have a good night. All right. Talk to you that. soon. All right, Rob. So uh, we're we're hoping to uh, take a call or two here. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. This is the first for uh, Sweep the Rack podcast, taking calls from people all over the country, the world. Let's see what they all right, got. First, uh, first person up here. Let's bring them on. Uh, hey, what's up? You're on uh, you're on Sweep the Rack Bowling podcast with uh, Big Mike and Brooklyn Rob. What's good? Oh, you got me. Absolutely. Hello. Yeah. What's yeah, we up? got you. Sorry. Oh, hey, I'm learning how to up, screen here, so. <laughs> got you. So, um, hey, how you doing? My name's Frank Cianella. Actually, I reached out to you guys like two weeks ago. Uh, I think what you guys do are doing are great on the podcast. You know, I've, I've bowled my entire life. I bowled John Juniors, PJBTs. I think what you guys do are great, man. What's good? Nothing Frank, much, man. man. Just, uh, wrapping, wrapping up some conversation with Jeff Rickles about this Bolero thing, uh, this, this event that they had going on, giving away all this money. Not many people know about it. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel? Do you think it's a, it's a bad event if, if some league bowlers end up beating the, the best pros in the world? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I caught the tail end of the, of the conversation. I mean, my, my opinion, though, is, is, you know, seeing what it was and, like, you know, obviously the first time I ever saw when they did the Ultimate Scoring Championship, I think it was in, like, 2008, where, where you know, the scores were supposed to be in, incredibly inflated because they were bowling on house shots and, and this, this, and that. The problem is, and, and uh, your boy made a good point on the show because he did make that show. He said, and I think he said, I think he said it in your podcast too, you know, the problem is, is that if you think you're that good, come and bowl, right? If you think you're that good, come and bowl. You know, I, you know, I, when I bowl league, I don't bowl league anymore. Uh, you know, I got, I got three kids under, under, under five. So my, uh, my hands are tied. But uh, when I did bowl, yeah, I was a 230 average bowler. Great. That, that, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now go out, now go out and go and compete on what they do every day, you know. And and I think that doing something like that, it could, I mean, it could, it could possibly hinder people's opinions, I guess, about what it is. You know, when you get the typical, oh, he just shot 190, I can do it. Well, that's not the case, you know. I think, but and I think it could be bad. I I, I think doing something like that could be bad because it it kind of taints. <laughs> I think it taints what the sport is. Um, I think you, I think plenty of people could see it. Like when, when people bowl the masters, people bowl the U S opens and they're averaging two thirty on the house and they go and they go a thousand under, which I've seen, which we've all seen. I think it's kind of crazy. I think it's kind of, you know, time to step back. Aren't you, aren't you taking away from what the sport is, you know, like, like kind of, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. And listen, we appreciate the call. Uh, keep listening and we appreciate the comments for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think that it is bad for the sport, Rob. I think that it is a negative. I think that if you have a league bowler beat some of the best bowlers in the world, like Jeff said, like uh, like our caller said, you know, it does reinforce some of those stereotypes. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Absolutely. Uh, could you imagine, and I'm going to go in the golf comparison here now, Mike, could you imagine if uh, they picked eight amateur golfers because uh, I submitted a video to the PGA and I was playing against Tiger Woods or, or Phil Mickelson, could you imagine? And I ended up beating them on a show. Yeah, it's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy too that it seems like there was no actual proof of bowling skill or even bowling competition to get to 
the level of this this huge show with this huge first prize. So, all right, uh, that was a great call. Great call. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate the comments on the show. Uh, Rob, we're, we're going to take our next call here. Uh, this is probably going to be a good one. Uh, Dave from NYC, what's up, Dave? Big Mike and Rob, Book and Rob, live from New York City, on location. I can't tell you where I'm at, but I'm somewhere in New York City. Uh, just for the ladies out there, I don't want people to uh, know where I'm at. So uh, let's get down to the business right now. Uh, WrestleMania, you guys doing a show on WrestleMania? Yo, the show must roll on, Dave. We gotta, we gotta keep sweep the rack every week for for our viewers, you know. And I, I know Big Mike's not into the WrestleMania, but I got it on pause right now because I saw Paul Heyman came out, so I'm not missing that. But uh, so, what do you want to talk about, Dave? What uh, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, anything bowling related? You want to talk wrestling? Because you know I'll talk wrestling too. Uh, I mean, the only thing you know, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about bowling related here. Uh, I just don't understand why the uh, urethanes are coming back, and uh, why can't nobody can't copy a purple hammer? Because uh, I see the balls rolling down the lane, and uh, the purple hammer to me it seems like if they keep the urethane shot out, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna beat them. Magic ball, it is. That purple hammer is. It's unbelievable. It's probably the best urethane ball I've ever thrown, hands down. And I mean, obviously I can't compare it with the old, the old urethane balls, you know. But as for new urethane balls, uh, it's. I, I think on the show when I was uh, talking about a, a Buttriff, he says he owns like twelve and, and ten blanks in his in, in his garage. Yeah. I have a blank, Dave. I mean, do you own a Purple Hammer yet, or, or what's your situation here? Um, uh, I actually have it in Vegas. I'm going to drill it like two days before the tat. So uh, I know it's at the Orleans, so the gutter will be playing with urethane. I don't care what pattern they put out. Uh, Orleans does play on the gutter with urethane, and uh, that's what I'll be using. Uh, I'll have an assortment of uh, a variety of balls in my, in my arsenal. Uh, but I know the Orleans like the back of my hand, so you know, I'll, be, I'll be prepared and ready to go. Uh, not to change the subject, but Mike, this is a question for you. All right. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. We're going to see our first female two-handed bowler. Oh, I don't. I'm teaching my daughter to throw a two-handed. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, no, honestly, I, I don't think it's going to be too long. I think that uh, probably sooner than later you'll see somebody who, you know, on the female side who figures it out and has the athletic ability to get it done. That's crazy. That's good. That's a good question though, Dave. I mean, what, why haven't we seen, I mean, maybe the PWBA, maybe this season we'll see a, a female, but I have a feeling that it's probably going to come more from, from juniors. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. Why haven't we seen one yet? That's a good question. Is it because of the ball weight? I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think so at all because there's girls out there that could throw a softball or a baseball just as hard as a guy. When you seen that girl in little league throw it, you know, for uh, the team from, I think it was New York. They had a, a female pitcher and uh, there's female kickers out there. So uh, we, we definitely have to be if all the listeners out there and somebody's got to be teaching their daughter how to bowl two handed right now. I mean, that's a that's a no-brainer. 
Yeah, for sure. I know that if uh, if I were still coaching high school, you know, I I, re- I retired as the goat of New Jersey high school bowling coaching. But if I was still coaching high school, I would definitely be encouraging all the kids across the board, guys, girls, to throw a two handed. No question. Who uh, who do you like in a national championship game, Mike? Uh Honestly, I'm a bad person to ask. I haven't even really been following college basketball, but I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll take Texas Tech. You know, they they seem to have have something going on. They're riding that wave. So the defense is tough. There's nobody going to be be beating Texas Tech. If you're listening to me in Vegas, put the house on Texas Tech. You heard it right here from Brooklyn Rob here on Sweep the Rack podcast. I should be doing an NCAA tournament podcast too. How about that? Dave, how's the pizza tour going in NYC? Uh, I had a, I had a, you know, the tour guide. I'm with, I'm, I'm off chaperoning, you know, some kids around here, and they took us to some crap pizza yesterday, and I really needed to redeem myself. So uh, I went on bar, bar stool, and I, I got this place, Luigi's. It was an eight pointer, a uh, little bit better. Tomorrow I'm gonna hit another place off, and uh, I'm gonna get great papayas or hot dogs, and uh, maybe get some wohop. And uh, I've gained about 10 pounds. You know, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, to figure out, you know, the city here. It's just, it's a, it's a crap shoot in the city. You know, there's, no, there's only one bowling alley at Baltimore. I really uh, didn't go in there. But maybe, uh, maybe I'll go in there and shoot them up, but not right now. I know that's right. I, had a, uh, I have a quick story about when I was in Vegas with Belmonte. Uh, we went to the dice table. He tried to throw it, the dice two-handed, you know, when you, and I was like, I, I went to the, he, I was like, he's like, yo, you want to go to the dice table? And I'm like, all right. So I went to the ATM. I took every, I took like as much as I can get out of the ATM because when you go into the dice table with a, with the best bowl in the world, you figure he could, you know, throw uh hard, hard tens, hard sixes and hard eights all day. So I put my money down and he tried to throw two hands and they wouldn't let him. They banned, of, uh, they banned yeah. him. They banned him. Yeah. Bummer, man. Mike Vegas is banning two-handed crap players. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know what the deal is. They know what the deal is. Well, uh, Dave, take it easy, man. Have a good right. one at NYC. Enjoy Don't that pizza. Appreciate the call, Dave. All right. Appreciate Love the, call, the show. Dave. All right, Rob. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to accept any callers that, uh, that hit us up right now. But uh, we do have the PBA playoffs to get into. Would you like to uh, talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting format, though, right, Mike? I mean, you got this, this bracket going. You got shows happening, you know, pretty much. I mean, the schedule is kind of weird, though, right? I mean, these guys are bowling almost weeks, right? I mean, no, so I think if I'm right, if I'm correct, I believe all of the matches down to the final four are being bowled this week. But they're being taped and aired uh, April 8th, which is tomorrow, and then April 15th, April 22nd, May 6th, or April 22nd, April 29th, May 6th, May 13th, May 20th, May 27th. That's going to get us down to the final four. And then the final four is Saturday, June 1st, and the final is Sunday, uh, June 2nd. Uh, so we have, another, we have another call here, Rob. You want, to, you want to take this call? We have another call here. Let's take this call. All right. 
put them on or her on. Hey, what's up? You're on Sweep the Rack Bowling Podcast with uh, Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. What's good? Hi, this is Adam Lemerice from Waynesville, North Carolina, the PBA Tours number one fan calling calling in. Um, I'd just like to say that I follow y'all on social media, and y'all do and y'all do a really great job. Excellent, Adam. Thank you, man. And uh, yeah, so so you're a huge fan of the PBA, yes? Who's your favorite bowler? Yes, I. Um, well, you want past? You want you want current or past? If you had to sit, if you had to bowl one game with them, any bowler, any bowler you could pick, you had to bowl one game with them and then go out to eat after. Who would it be? Oh, it probably would be. Um, probably would be Jay. Probably would be the number one PBA tour bowler in the world. The two-handed wonder from down under, Jason El Monte. Um, what he has done this year on the PBA tour is incredible. Winning, winning two majors and becoming the all-time leader, passing two great Hall of Famers in. Pete Weber and Earl Anthony is remarkable. Um, never seen anything like this in over in over in over the thirty years that I've watched on television. Yeah, us either, Adam, for sure. And uh, we appreciate the call. We appreciate the feedback about uh, about the show. And uh, continue to listen. Continue to follow us. And uh, we're sure you'll continue to follow the PBA tour. But, uh, yeah, what's even more interesting, Rob, is is Belmonte has a shot to get back to these PBA playoffs. Belmonte has a shot to now win this hundred grand and, and win this PBA playoff spot. So uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, he's as long as he's in a tournament, he's probably 50-50 to, to win. I mean, if it's one of those things where I hate to beat a dead horse every show, but it's pretty, he's pretty much the most dominant bowler to ever bowl on the PBA tour. So, you know, he's definitely someone you have to talk about anytime you're, you're talking about, you know, front runners and, and winners for, for bowling tournaments, uh, PBA tournaments. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. So, uh, Rob, we have another caller. Let's bring him on. All right, let's do it. Uh, hey, you're on uh, Sweep the Rack Bowling Podcast with uh, Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. What's good? Rob, Mike, what's good, man? How are y'all? This is Jimmy from uh, at uh, the Ringing Ten on Twitter. How are y'all tonight? Absolutely. Oh, well, oh, I know your site. You had no doubt. You got the you got the most fire <laughs> memes in bowling, son. What's good? Yo, his Twitter counts fire, Mike. Seriously. Yeah, I know. I, no no joke. Uh, let me let, let me tell you that Twitter. I, I when I started doing this in January 2019, there was nobody out there doing bowling memes, hitting up on Twitter, doing all that stuff. So I thought, man, I gotta fill this gap, and it just seemed to be explosion right when y'all were starting your podcast. I said, this is it. This is it. We got to do this, and we got to blow this PBA thing up in a big way, especially being on Fox and everything. So I appreciate all y'all's support, and everything y'all been doing is amazing. Thanks, man. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, you know, Rob and I are just fans of the game, I'm sure, like you are. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we just wanted to, to do something to kind of get, get discussions out there that we were already having amongst ourselves and uh, kind of try and present a, a different side of the game a little bit, I guess you could say. And you're doing the same thing with the memes. 
Yeah, I love it, man. It's been great. We've been I've been getting great interactions. It's been fun interacting with Tom Clark, the whole crew, uh, Josh Blanchard. I mean, it's been phenomenal. Um, so I wanted to throw a couple questions y'all's way. We've been, you know, this has been an ongoing conversation about the goats on y'all's podcast. So I want to throw out a little idea for y'all to think about uh, tonight. You ready for this? Oh, we're ready. <laughs> So, you know, there's been a lot of – who was it that said uh, Walter Ray was the uh, best bowler of all time, the GOAT? Uh, Sean Rash. Rash. Yeah. Sean Rash. All right, so I want to throw you all a little, a little, information, little information out y'all's way. Walter Ray Williams wins Chris Schenkel Player of the Year 2010-2011 at age 50. He leads in points, average, and earnings that year. How do you not say that's the GOAT? I mean, if we're looking at longevity, I love what Jason Belmonte is doing. I think he is phenomenal. I think what he's doing with the sport of bowling is great, and he's had an incredible, what, 10, what, 11-year run that he's on right now. Let's see what he's doing at age 50, and then we can have a conversation about GOAT. How's that sound? No, Jimmy, we actually, Jimmy, we actually spoke about this in a previous previous podcast about if Belmo is first off, is he going to be able to throw the ball two handed at the age of fifty? Because that's kind of a area that hasn't been done yet. And two, exactly. Is he, and two, is he, he even going to be bowling at the age of fifty? Because um, he, you know, his family lives in Australia. They have, you know, three kids. So you know, the right. word on the street is there right. might be early retirement for Jason Belmonte. I mean. Uh, we'll have to wait to get him on the show eventually, uh, you know, and talk to him about, you know, but I mean, knowing Belmo, he'll bowl until he's, you know, in, in a wheelchair and he's two hand, yeah. two hands on a ramp. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, everyone does seem to be thinking that his career is going to be cut short because he's so far from his family and all that kind of stuff. And I listen, there's no question what he's doing. I'm just saying, you take a look at what Walter Ray could do at age 50 and then we can have a conversation about anybody else who's ever stacked up to that uh, in their career. I want to throw another thing uh, y'all's way about the Masters. I don't know if y'all are going to talk about that a little later today, but I wanted to talk about the crowd noise. So I thought mm-hmm. that was probably one of the best energy uh, tournaments that we've ever had since the, since the new start on Fox. I was wondering what y'all's thoughts on that were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, I think it's because the uh, the Bayside crew was in there. You know, they 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 put yeah, them in exactly. a car. The owner who we had on earlier tonight, uh, he was there, and Brian Owak, KGB Glass, who we had earlier tonight, he was he was there, and they definitely gave those guys a prominent spot. And those guys bring the energy. You know, they do. They bring the energy yeah, to the show. I think it definitely created that uh, that that level of energy that that really we hadn't seen, uh, and I think that that's a fair point to make too that. Yeah, there, there definitely was a little bit more of a hypeness around that show. Rob, uh, what do you think? You know, I Jake Peters, man. I mean, Jake Peters was 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 fire, man. Like he he seriously, I, it was one of my favorite matches when he bowled Sloan, and I, I put it on Twitter. Him and him versus Sloan was they were they were getting into it, and they were eyeing each other down. They were. You know, it, it it was getting good, and I really believe Jake Peters brought the fire in, in the intensity, and he was feeding off the crowd, and it, it was just a great show, man. It really was. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, and uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. uh, Jimmy, thanks for calling in Once again uh, for our listeners. Uh, the Ringing Ten, okay, on Twitter, and uh, he's got the fire bowling memes for you all the time there. So, uh, 
Rob, back to the PBA playoffs for a second before we jump into the Masters a couple minutes. So that'll be our last thing that we get into there. Uh, so like we were saying, PBA playoffs coming up next few weeks, April 8th, April 15th, uh, April 22nd, 29th, May 6th, May 13th, May 20th, May 27th. That leads down to the final four, Saturday, June 1st, Sunday, June 2nd. Winner takes home hundred grand. I believe all the matches down in the final four are being bowled this week, and then the final four is bowled live that weekend, that first weekend of June. <laughs> so, Rob, tomorrow night you have Barnes versus Troop, Prather versus D-Tang, Page versus Maldonado, and Allen versus Gomez all tomorrow, Monday night, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, on FS1. So who do we like in those matches, Rob? Barnes versus Troop, who you got there? I like Troop, man. I think Troop. Is okay, gonna... me too. Yeah, me too. How about Prather versus uh, Darren Tang? Dude, Prather, Prather for sure. That's 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 got to be the 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 favorite, right? Yeah, he's been hot for sure. I would agree with that one as well. Uh, Rhino Page against Maldonado. That uh, Rhino, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. Bayside can be tough to the lefties, honestly. So I, I could, and yeah. you know, two handers seem to have success there. So I could, I could definitely see Maldonado taking that one, but obviously I think Page is the favorite there. Uh, last one, uh, Dick Allen against Gomez. I got to take Dick Allen there pretty strongly. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Andres. Okay, Dick Allen also won the singles tournament there last year. So yeah, he definitely, and, and he's bowled really well in the PBA league too. So I feel like he has yeah, a certain he level. Main. He, lo- he loves Maine. Dickie Allen, that's like his spot, man. Those are his people. <laughs> but yeah, true. Andres, man, he's a tough dude. Plus, he beat me in the high roller one year in the set in the finals. So I gotta okay, give him a shout. So we'll be watching tomorrow night for sure. Uh, but to review last week, Rob, uh, as our previous caller Jimmy from the Ringing Ten brought up, uh, the Masters, Jacob Buttriff gets his first win. I would say first major win. Sorry, first major yeah. Win. Kudos to Butcher, man. Earned it. I mean, deserved it, right? Like, just you know, it, it felt like he was going to get there eventually. But you, you never know. Is you never know when you're a professional bowler when you're going to get there. If you're going to ever get there again. So we, we uh, you know, we talked about it previous, you know, podcasts about him like giving gifts, uh, and I kind of felt like he he, he got a gift back in, in in the finals. Yeah, I, I also agree with your comments about the intensity on the show. There, there was there was some real intensity there, man. Those guys came to play, especially Chris Sloan. Shout to Chris Sloan. I want to have him on the show. My yeah. his facial expressions. If looks could have killed, man, a couple people would have been dead. Yo, him and Peters, uh, Mike. Am I going too far and exaggerating and saying that he that was one of the best matches you've seen on TV in a really long time? Uh, yeah, that was a hell of a match, man. Hell, and the intensity level was high throughout. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what I'm trying to drive home every week. We talk, man. These guys got to get into it. They got to take a little bit of shit. And, you know, the, if eyes, like you said, if eyes could tell a story, dude, those guys, they were talking shit. I know they wanted to. I know they wanted to. And I was waiting for one of them to, like, clasp it out in the face. I don't know. I was waiting for something to go down, but it never did. But, man, what a match. I was into it. I was into that whole show because that set the whole the whole tone, um, you know. And uh, I kind of felt like Holloman just 
you know, he just couldn't get comfortable, man. Like he, he looked in the, you know, the, the matchy Bo Peters, but he just never looked like he can get comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it, I think you saw the difference in experience there in that match, in that final match between Holloman and Buttriff. You know, you, you had a, a kid who was making his first show and right. trying to win his first title and his first major title and pretty much wrap up Rookie of the Year and make the and make the PBA playoffs all in one game is basically what he was bowling for, I believe. And, uh, yeah, like – the pressure was just crazy. Whereas Buttriff, you know, he really didn't have as much to deal with. He had to get over his, uh, his poor spare shooting from, from previous shows that he was on. And, you know, obviously trying to get the monkey off his back of, of winning that first major title. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, k- kudos to Buttriff, man. Bowl great. You know, he really did. He on the tougher lane when he needed to get up and, and make a shot on that tougher lane, he was really able to get up and make a great shot. You know the way he throws it, man, just kills me. And I mean, and I say that in a good way. Like, I just, I can never get comfortable watching him like flip that off his wrist the way he bowls, man. And you know, I've had some people hit up uh, our social media account about Butchiff and about his style and how he throws the ball. But he, you know, he, and it's more of they're hitting me up saying like, you guys need to talk about it a little bit. And I'm just like, you know, his he's got a double jointed wrist. He, his, his he uses a conventional grip and it's just, it's awkward. His role is awkward, but it works and it works for him. So, you know, I mean, congratulations, man, but if, uh, forgetting his, forgetting your first title, do you deserve it? Earned it this year. Uh, and one of the crazy stats I saw on TV was like the major, the major titles was like Belmo, Belmo, Butchiff, Butchiff, Belmo, who was like, five finals and it was like only Belmo and Butcher for the title holders. Crazy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't think it changes anything with player of the year though. Do you Rob? No, no, it, it, it gets a little bit closer, but I think if Belmo doesn't win, it'll be a tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Rob, we had a couple people hit us up on social media, uh, during the show and ask us some questions. So we wanted to field, uh, a question or two from, from our social media accounts. Uh, one person hit us up, David Tolson hit us up on Facebook and asked if we could touch on our collegiate bowling careers. He mentioned that he bowled, uh, from 83 to 86 for the university of Southwestern Louisiana. And, uh, he was fortunate enough to win sectionals and that allowed him to bowl at the collegiate nationals in Vegas and he remembers that Scott Thompson won it that year. So, uh, Rob, you, you, you go first. Answer that one first. Wow. Uh, I, I had a pretty good accomplished college career, bowled uh, 1999 to 2004 for Saginaw Valley State University. Uh, made, I was two-time all, second-team All-American, which, by the way, pisses me off till this day. I earned a first-team All-American. But it had some bullshit college bowling, like stats, and where – the, you know, you had to only bowl like a minimum of six tournaments to be eligible for a first team. And I, here we are at Saginaw Valley bowling 13, 14 tournaments a year. And I have people that are making first team that only bowl like six or seven tournaments. So anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. I, Mike, you will get me fired up about that subject. Uh, bowled, uh, you know, four years for Saginaw Valley. Uh, bowled with Bill O'Neill my last three years of it. Uh against some accomplished pros that are out there right now, Mike Fagan, Sean Rash, uh, you know, those guys bowled while I bowled for college. Um, but 
Mike, I would love to sit around and get a, a college bowl, a college bowler, the who bowls now on the show to talk about what's going on with college bowling today. I think I would, you know, haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to college bowling since I left, but I really feel like we need to, we need to dig into college bowling just to see if they're still Mike, are they still parting? Like, well, like the way we did, I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. College bowlers hit us up, hit us up. What's good. We want to talk to somebody, give us suggestions of who we should talk to. Hit us up, email us, get at us on social media. Uh, as for me, I bowled I, interesting little background story. So I graduated high school, I think a year or two before you and Bill. And I know that Bill actually went to a local community college for a year after he was done high school. Mm. So the year that I was graduating high school, I had actually looked into going to Saginaw Valley and your brother was there at the time. Right. And when I looked into going there, they were really good. Your brother was on the team. Uh, Brian Wallachek, I believe, was on the team at that time. And, yeah, the, the, the coach, Dan Dorian, uh, re, you know, rest in peace, by the way, uh, right. he, you know, kind of put it to me like, well, you know, you could come here and, you know, you might not start. You have to wait a couple years. And, honestly, I, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't think I'd be happy going all the way out to Michigan and not actually bowling. So I went to a smaller private school in New Jersey called St. Peter's College. It's now St. Peter's University. And uh, when I started there, we didn't really have that great of a team. But uh, through building over the few years that I was there, we were able to get a couple good bowlers, uh, Dan Dunleavy, Matt Sherman being two. Uh, and, yeah, by the time I left or by the time I was graduating, we, uh, we had a chance to go to nationals and uh, definitely got some tournament wins under our belt and uh, had a great experience there in college bowling for sure. But uh, I actually had looked into going to Saginaw Valley, and I sent a tape out there, and the coach got back to me. And then after I had arranged everything to go to St. Peter's where I ended up going, Coach Dorian reached out to me and said, oh, you know, are you coming to Saginaw Valley or no? And I said no. And then he told me, oh, well, we we had a spot for you. So it could have worked out where I I went there. And uh, maybe not bowled the whole time my first year, but – that would have been interesting if uh, I got the opportunity to bowl with you and Bill in college, but everything works out for a reason. And, uh, you know, I'm glad things worked out the way they did. I I really enjoyed where I went to school and had a great experience there. And uh, yeah, I feel like from our relationships, Rob, like for me and you and Bill being friends, I feel like when we got out there and bowled a lot of college tournaments, a lot of the guys that were on my team, a lot of the guys that were on Mike Fagan's team, a lot of the guys that were on your team, we all ended up intermingling because of those connections between us. Right. Quick, quick couple of tidbits on your story. Uh, who do you think recruited Bill to both for Saginaw Valley? Well, that was me. So yeah, second, well, everybody was recruiting Bill to come bowl for their school. I mean, that's no secret. Yeah. But here's the thing is like, nobody really knew him because I mean, obviously we knew him as a junior bullet, but it wasn't like it is today. It wasn't like where every college, uh, every college coach knew, who the junior bowlers were, there was no recruiting. These, these college coaches didn't, re, didn't recruit. Wacky maybe from St. John's did a little bit of recruiting, but not like it is today. Uh, another quick funny uh, story is uh, Bill um, – no, not Bill. God, I completely lost my train of thought, Mike. Uh, but 
dude, I miss college bowling. Uh, it, it, it's one, it was the best times of my life. And, uh, oh, yeah, Dan Dorian told us, he said the same thing to me, Mike, when I sent my video in. Oh, you probably won't start by my shoulder when I went into tryouts. You know what I mean? Uh, he said, yeah, no, totally you have 40, if you didn't have 4,300 and 6,800 series, you know, he, he felt like, you know, you weren't going to be worth anything. And, you know, and he, that was the first question he asked as a recruit. Oh, how many 300s and 800s do yeah. you have? And we all know that means shit. Yeah, I remember. I actually remember that. And he told me, yeah, the guys in my starting lineup have 20-some 300s and 50-something 700s or higher than 750. And I was like, oh, shit, really? Okay. And it was intimidating at the time. You know, like, you sure. see, well, when I, you went there, you, you had your brother out there. I so different for you. I mean, you were going out there with your brother who you grew up with. So regardless of whether you bowled or didn't bowl, you know, you were going to have a more enjoyable time out there. And your brother was probably able to give you a more accurate picture of where you would stand on the team since he was on the team at the time. Yeah. Uh, I think he might've regretted it about a year later when he was the sixth man and I was starting, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, Rob, we have another uh, another question on social media here from uh, Bat Flipping Time on, on Twitter, and uh, the the question is: With today being WrestleMania, are you surprised there's never been a bowling character in wrestling? <laughs> that is an awesome question. Uh, could you imagine a guy coming out looking like? Uh, I'm just picturing um, the Big Lebowski, uh, the dude. Could you imagine this guy coming out with a hand uh, brace on and a, and a bowling old school, like bowling shirt, like Roy Munson with a bowling ball. And he would use that as uh, like, you know, he'd put it on the side when he wrestles. And then when the ref's not looking, he would take the bowling ball and knock his opponent out. I think that would work. Yeah, I can picture that. That's how I think it's a good question too. I'm surprised there's never been a, uh, a bowling character in wrestling. It also seems like, especially back in the eighties where they used to grab foreign objects all the time and hit people with foreign objects, like to pull the bowling ball out of the bag, you know, and the announcer would be like, Oh, he's got the 16 pound ball. He's going to hit him over the head with it. You know, and then he cracks him over the head with the 16 pound ball that, you know, that would have went right along with like the hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know, kind of four by four whacking people across the head. I know he'd have to be like 300 pounds or 400 pounds. Right. Like he'd have to come out like, super big and uh maybe a pitcher of beer too like you know stone cold and kind of <laughs> drink drink some beer yeah some beers yeah yeah it would have to it would definitely have to fit like all the bowling stereotypes oh, you know he okay. could probably like he one oh, one of his one of his insults to his opponent could be like to take his bowling shoes off and make them smell it you know like <laughs> smell my bowling shoe you know like that could be one of his moves but yeah, sure. definitely some uh, some 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 room for uh, for the creativity there in terms of oh. the WWE making that happen. But Rob, can we? Can I just mention? I mean, you you adult people that are into wrestling. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, man. It's, uh, is this you know? Can I criticize a little bit? I'm not hating, but yeah. you're not my you're not my go- only friend who's into wrestling as an adult. But I, you know, come on, guys. I'm gonna break it down for you. I'm gonna break it down for you. Okay. People, the first pe- the first thing that wrestling haters they say is, "Oh, it's fake." Do you know it's fake? So look, the Avengers, the Avengers Endgame, that's fake, but millions of people are going to watch that. The, you know, the difference between wrestling and the movies is wrestling's actually done live. So if you look, I know it's fake, 
you know, it's look, it's scripted. We know the, 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 the consequences of the matches, like the endings are all scripted. But it's like a live stunt show that these guys, they're improvising as they go and they're entertaining fans. And you know what? It's, it's a lot. Three hour episodes, Monday night. It's a lot. But you take it for what it is. You know, if it makes me laugh every so often, you know, and I, I fast forward through a lot of it, but it's a show, man. These, these people are putting on a show and it's really hard what they do. And it's entertaining. It really is. There's a point where it's like, oh, man, that's kind of funny. Or that's kind of like, you know, they can't believe they just did that. I can't believe they just said that. You know, did Donald Trump just come on and tackle Vince McMahon, you know, because that happened in WrestleMania previously. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And I think that's what is the, is the, is, is the, like, um, is like the attraction of wrestling. Is like you never know what's going to happen. And people are always wondering, like, what's going to happen. So. What do, you, what do you think about that response, Mike? You, you gonna, am I going to make you a fan? No, I'm just going to tell the people out there to watch the South Park episode on on wrestling, and uh, <laughs> it'll it'll clearly give my uh, my opinion of what I think. But uh, so, Rob, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, okay. Another great show. Intrig- we went in a different direction this week, Rob. Yeah. You know, hopefully we can get the fans and the and the people out there more involved uh, and, and and listen and listen to their viewpoints and talk to them about what's going on in their worlds. Because I, I love those interviews with the Bayside, uh, you know, with the owner Charlie, uh, just talking about what these proprietors uh, need to do. So if anything, people take out of this interview, go back to your proprietors and tell them they should be more like Charlie. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how they're not only doing some of the more creative or cutting edge stuff in that bowling center, but obviously they also really enjoy being a part of the PBA. And to me, it shows, or it should show the bowling community that you can have that balance. You can have a bowling center that hosts concerts and weddings and burlesque shows, but also hosts major PBA events. And and I think we all have to kind of come to terms with that, you know, and, and work it how it needs to be worked to benefit the bowling community as a whole. I, I, I got to get out there in July. I'm booking my flight this week. So, Mike, you heard what Charlie said. He'll let us film live. So you got to do what you need to do to get out there. Yeah, I'm trying, dog. I'm trying. I, I got some serious scheduling conflicts going on with the uh, with the PBA event there during the summer just because of my kids and it's over my it. birthday. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to work yeah. it out. So I'm going to do yeah. my best. But whether both of us are there or one of us is there, I yeah. think uh, I think Sweep the Rack will be represented in uh, in Portland, Maine this year. Yeah, I might be filming live from there and you doing it from your house, but it's not going to be the same. You, I mean, we might have to do a live Skype from there, and you're going to be like, man, I wish I was there. And then, yeah, I'm excited about to see what's going on. So I'm going to look this week before like it gets pretty expensive. So hopefully, I see you know everybody out there, and I could uh, you know m- meet some of the Bayside, uh, you know the local flavors. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you into that, Rob. I'll hook uh, you into that. No problem. Awesome. I got you. I got you. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm only a short drive away, so I can, I can kind of decide on a whim to go if, uh, if, if things work out, but uh, I can attest definitely a good time for all of our listeners out there. If you're around the Northeast section of the country and you're really looking for a, uh, a great vacation weekend, long weekend getaway, great restaurants, great city, 
a little bit of touristy sightseeing stuff, definitely some shopping areas around the city. And uh, you got Bayside Bowl with the PBA and the PBA League there. And like Charlie said, it's the main time of the summer in Maine. So uh, definitely look forward to that. But, uh, Rob, another good show. I'm going to let you go, man. Enjoy WrestleMania, I guess. All right. <laughs> All right, homie. All right, See you later. later. Take it easy. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.